to episode two of Autonomy Bytes, a program dedicated to keeping you up to date on the latest trends, technologies, and applications of autonomous systems. Each episode highlights interviews with leading experts to provide their insights and opinions in a format that is both educational and entertaining. Hey everybody, I'm Ryan Smith, retired military officer and experimental test pilot, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Dr. Andrew Shepard, Executive Director and Chief Scientist of Unmanned Aerial Systems, or UAS, at the, Nash, at the Sinclair National UAS Training and Certification Center located in Dayton, Ohio. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Ryan. It's uh, great to be back. Before we jump into the interview, I'd like to thank Sinclair for supporting the show as our sponsor. Okay, our guest today is Mr. Roy Peschen, the co-founder and chief technology officer of Simlot, a global leader in UAS modeling and simulation for training and operational environments headquartered near Tel Aviv, Israel. I've had the pleasure of knowing Roy and the team at Simlot for at least six years, and over many of those, we've collaborated on cutting-edge implementations of Simlot solutions to address complex training and operational challenges. They're awesome to work with and really experts at what they do. Roy, thanks for being here. Hi, Andrew and Ryan. Thanks for having me. Hey, Roy. We're excited to have you here today because... Simlot has been around since 2004, and you guys are really a trailblazer in uh, UAS-related simulation and the development of operational tools and stuff like that. So we've only got a few minutes to talk about all the topics we want to cover today, so I'm going to jump right in with the first question and just ask you, over these 16 years, how have you seen the changes um, in the training and the concept of operations that have developed around UAS, and have you really noticed any I don't know, I guess, evolution of attitudes and acceptance from industry and from the academic world? Well, Ryan, definitely. There's been uh, a lot of evolution uh, in these fields. I can, I can point out several of those uh, uh, topics where I've seen this evolution in action. One, maybe the most obvious, would be uh, in 16 years ago, most of the users were military, uh, using UAS for their uh, surveillance and reconnaissance missions, whereas today um, most of the users we see are either hobbyists or uh, commercial applications used in the civil environments for uh, business needs. Also, uh, the types of platforms. 16 years ago, most of them were fixed wing of uh, various sizes and uh, types of propulsion, but most of them fixed wing, whereas today the uh, advent of the uh, multi-rotters or quadcopters uh, has been um, uh, very impressive and they are the majority right now. Uh, if you go to the types of training, so back then most of it was flight training. People were just trying to learn how to operate their platforms. Then later it went on to mission training, meaning how to perform their application uh, in an in a effective way. And today, when we go into more autonomous systems and uh, larger applications, it also goes into simulation of the ecosystem as a whole. Also in some other aspects, hardware, uh, back then was mostly custom and very expensive. Then later the PCs more standardized and today it goes into cloud and virtual environments. And uh, maybe lastly, if you look on, on it from the developer side, uh, from long and costly projects uh, with lengthy requirements. Uh, it went on to more modern ways of developing like Agile, uh, using uh, standard 
uh, open source or uh, collaborative environments using commercial off-the-shelf technologies. So, as as a and these are just a, a few of the topics uh, I can think of, uh, but there's been many more. So this field, in this uh, period of time, has seen a lot of evolution. Roy, uh, thanks for that perspective. You know, having been uh, professionally involved in modeling and simulation since around 2003, you know, I can certainly attest to the large strides in capabilities and expanded applications and greater adoption across many sectors, and that certainly has included UAS. You know, one of the uh, developments that has expanded our ability to conduct uh, training and testing for the implementation of complex scenarios has been the creation and refinement of live virtual and constructive, or LVC, capabilities. Can you describe what LVC is and what kind of interactions uh, that allows? Yes, certainly. So LVC stands for Live Virtual and Constructive. And these are three uh, phases or three ways where we can uh, train or execute. Uh, live is in the actual world. Virtual means real people operating virtual systems, also known as simulators, which is the main thing we do at SimLab. And constructive means machines operating virtual environments. So automatic, autonomous uh, kinds of simulation. And LVC has been so great for our industry because uh, one of the things we can do very nicely with LVC is train on uh, scenarios or uh, test cases in non-sterile environments like airports, for instance. However, without raising the risk because we're not ignoring the actual uh, manned flights or regular traffic in those airports, while we're adding virtual players to act in those same environments and try to interact with them, again, without raising the risk, but in keeping or even raising the complexity. So Roy, as you're, obviously SimLot's been very involved in LVC, but you brought up the idea of, of live airplanes and, and actual flying. Um, you know, that kind of leads into the topic of unmanned traffic management or UTM. Uh, has has Simlot had the opportunity to get involved in UTM? And, and what do you think, the, and if so, what, what do you think the key features uh, for a UTM solution would be? So yes, uh, UTM has been uh, on our focus uh, for a few years now, being one of the main drivers uh, for uh, advancing commercial UAS uh, deployment in national airspaces around the world. And there's many things that are needed for true UTM to be, to be uh, effective. Sensors, connectivity, standards, and, and many more. Uh, I think uh, uh, I'd like to focus on raising the bar in terms of airworthiness, which on the physical sense, uh, how those systems need to um, evolve those drones to be worthy of this environment, to be safe, uh, at least as manned aircraft, while simultaneously we're trying to innovate and disrupt the, the way we're doing business today with manned aircraft. So we need autonomy and automation to step in. And this is a big challenge. And in our end, we've developed simulation for that ecosystem that deals with uh, hundreds and thousands of flights at the same time at varying levels of um, resolution. So some of them are just uh, doing their thing, while some others were really focusing on every bit and piece that's in the aircraft uh, to see how it interacts. But as a whole, uh, UTM will be uh, 
something we're working on for, I think, for the next five to 10 years uh, from now as it progresses. So, uh, Roy, you know, you've covered a lot already, um, but uh, in the remaining time, do you have anything you'd like to add about the future of modeling and simulation as it supports training and operations? Yeah, so maybe just a few uh, focal points or uh, highlights that we're looking at. Uh, one of the things that, uh, and this was really accelerated by COVID-19, uh, is the turn to the cloud. So whereas uh, for many years, most of our systems were deployed physically at customer sites, and now we also offer cloud-based training. And this has been very useful for uh, some of our customers that uh, experienced lockdowns and had to work from home. Another thing that's happening, and it's very exciting, the way geospatial data uh, is being processed and being used uh, it's being, it's, it's, it has been, it has become much more abundant. Everybody's collecting it. And at the same time, we find new ways of using it to make our representations uh, more physically accurate and more uh, compelling for the user. So, so this is going to be a trend. Uh, and, um, and maybe the most exciting trend is the trend of autonomy. So autonomy level is rising in uh, ground vehicles, in air vehicles, and we also need to um, accompany that in simulation, in the way we support autonomous systems, and also in the way we make our simulations more autonomous. Hey Roy, we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to stop it right there. But let me say thank you so much for coming on with us and sharing your time and your expertise with our audience at Autonomy Bytes. Thanks, Ryan. It was great fun to be in the program. Hey, so Andrew, it, uh, it looks like we're at the end of our second show already. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I think we may be getting the hang of this. Uh, so no, I'm, Roy, not sure, I'm not sure we're quite there yet, Andrew, but we're working on it. I, I, I think it sounded great. You know, uh, Roy, thanks for uh, joining us today. Uh, you know, it's always great to hear about the exciting things happening in modeling and simulation and uh, also with uh, our friends and the team at Simlot. Also, we'd like to acknowledge, uh, again, our sponsor, the Sinclair College National UAS Training and Certification Center, before we sign off. So uh, be sure to stay on the lookout for new episodes featuring interviews with experts from across the autonomy space. And we encourage uh, you to uh, have your friends listen to us as well. That's right, Andrew. And most importantly, remember, autonomy bites. Hey, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.